0: Somebody had my name on other platforms, of course. (laughs) All right. So, yes, and I do want to let you know that we do drop a new episode here every every Wednesday and Saturday. So be sure to uh, hit that follow or subscribe button. No matter where you're listening to, we are on all podcast platforms. All right. So I hope you enjoyed today's show. And uh, again, God bless and God bless America. Uh, all right and welcome to a special report from the red pill current news podcast i'm your host the kentucky guy hope everybody is having a wonderful day and that's right folks this is part four of devolution so we begin a lot of good feedback uh, on this series and uh this is part four if for some reason this is the first one you're hearing please go back Listen to part one. I do not want you to be lost on this, okay? There's been a lot of information given. Uh, Some of you have had some really good questions uh, that you've emailed. If you ever want to email the show, you can do that at O-L-Kentucky, spelled out O-L-Kentucky, the number 99 at yahoo.com, O-L-Kentucky, 99 at yahoo.com, okay? Also, make sure that uh, you check out today's normal episode. Uh, We have nurse practitioner uh, dina freeman who joined the show and uh boy she has a uh, had a lot of great things to talk about a lot of educating uh on that episode so if you haven't checked it out yet be sure to and remember for all of you wrestling fans against the mat pro res- uh against the mat uh wrestling podcast specializing in pro wrestling uh past present and future we do have a special guest joining us this Friday, Mr. Cunningham. Uh, looking forward to talking to him and talking shop about wrestling. But that's not why you're here, right? If you've been following along in this series, you want to hear about devolution. And let's get into it. Let's, and I appreciate all the feedback I've gotten so far. I know, I know, I know some of the acronyms can be confusing, Um, the, my only advice, I'm trying to go as slow as I can. My only advice is to, and some of you have responded and said it works great, is to just pause the episodes on and, uh, where I do give the definition of the acronym or maybe go back and re-listen to it. Uh, that's going to get you caught up. Okay. I know there, I know there's a lot of them, but to, uh, I and I go as slow as I can, but there's so much information that I want to get out to you all. It's important. It's important. So, all right. So let's uh, let's pick up where we left off. All right. And uh, one uh, one thing I do want to do is I want to give some credit out to the Patriot Group, uh, Ben Shapiro on this episode. I've uh, got some of his stuff, uh, News uh, Newsweek, um, to uh, just different places. And I tell you what, as we get to them, I will definitely be. Uh, oh yeah, the uh, Department of Defense website governmental websites uh i want to give credit where credit is due uh and then also to uh my buddy john and uh anyone else who has sent me bits and pieces uh, along this journey uh to take a look at i really appreciate it and i definitely want to give you the credit that you deserve folks i could have never um i was already awake but i could have never uh I had, I had given if you haven't listened to part one you need to because that gives you the whole backstory uh but i had really just given up um uh i i just given up uh on uh on america basically uh you know in uh, around uh the end of october in uh 2021 so anyway so let's let's move on and uh and thank you guys everyone who's helped me in that uh, like I said, you have been therapy for me, and I appreciate it. And you know, it's incredible to see the different ways people from all over, from all ends of the political spectrum, have reacted to the events that actually uh, happened during the January 6th Save America rally. The media, the Democrats, the rhinos, and big tech want us to believe that Trump was trying to get his supporters to overthrow the government. There are even Trump supporters who blame Trump for what happened while not going so far as to say this was an attempt at a coup. Then the rest of us, well, we know that Trump is always thinking 10 steps ahead. We know he doesn't do anything without having a thought of every possible outcome first. He he doesn't ask a question he doesn't already know the answer to. He, You know, and he reminds me of uh, some former uh, bosses that I've had who actually taught me that. And that's how uh, I was when I was in management. Uh, I wouldn't ask you a question unless I knew the answer or had a solution. I wouldn't come up, come to you with a problem unless I already had a solution in mind. Uh, Trump was selling this as the rally to save America from the stolen election. Uh, there was going to be mi- a million mega patriots in attendance. Antiva had been uh, infiltrating uh, events all summer. It was so obvious that they would do it again at this rally. Um, so what was Trump thinking? There has to be more to the story, right? Uh, you know, he knew Antiva had been riding and destroying cities all all during 2020 uh antiva and blm uh so one of the themes throughout this devolution series has been we need to think bigger right i've said that and said that we need to think bigger so if we take a step back and look at everything in in a different type of context i believe we can come to an alternative conclusion that shows there is indeed much more to the january 6th story so let's, let's uh, break it down just a little bit. The, the term Antifa is a combination of words. It means anti-fascist. Uh, uh, Robert Stilson from the Capital Research Center uh, has a great series trying to explain exactly who Antifa is, if you ever get a chance to check it out. Uh, the point That point is important. Even our own FBI director, Chris Ray testified that Antifa is an ideology, not an organization. So just keep that in mind uh, as we go through part four of this. Okay, Antifa has been operating in the United States since the 1980s. However, uh, we've re- we've just now starting to get them on our radar. They've never really was on there until around 2017, uh, when the first notable uh, violent display took place at the, uh, let's see, the Unite, Unite the the Right rally in Charles, uh, Charlestonville was the first time they popped up. Uh, quote, our goal should be in 20 years, those who voted for Trump are too comfortable to share that fact in public. That quote is quite terrifying, but it is exactly how Antiva and the Democrats view anybody, any of us, who supports Donald Trump. They want us silenced. Antifa, along with some of the radical BLM groups, have turned into a militant arm of the liberal left. So, as we know, as we all know, 2020 brought about an unprecedented wave of violence. This stemmed from the media-driven narrative of racism and police brutality in our country. Antifa would use the Black Lives Matter movement as a springboard for their rioting and anarchy. Defund the police quickly became the BLM rallying cry. That's all they rallied around. But if you notice, oh, Joe Biden, in his fake union address, is trying to say that the Republicans were the ones that said defund the... uh, He's a joke. Uh, And the riots that ensured could be described as a war between BLM and Antifa and law and order. You don't, all you have to do is open your eyes, and you could see that back in 2020. The Democrats and their media lackeys spent all summer claiming the po- the protesters were mostly peaceful. <laughs> I mean, they, these people really think we're stupid. All we had to do was turn the TV on um, and use that narrative to attack Trump uh, all summer long. The Democrats refused to condemn uh, Antiva. Ben Shapiro said it best quote from ben shapiro uh mr biden simply cannot condemn antiva or blm by name because to do so would be to recognize two simple truths the first that mr trump isn't the chief source of violence in american cities second that in spite of his return to norm normalcy message mr biden's systematic racism Narrative provides the ideological uh, groundworks for those who seek to tear down the system. Democrats have spent months denying the violence, calling Mr. Trump a fascist for offering federal help, and decrying the American system. The fruits are on full display for everyone to see, and so Mr. Biden, utmost uh, bluff. And the media must cover it up for him. And and I and I wanted to quote that from Ben uh, Shapiro because he does he does I mean he's amazing. If you ever get a chance, check out his podcast. Uh, he's on he's on YouTube as well. Ben uh, Ben Shapiro. Um, I, I I think he's I think he's spot on on a lot of his stuff. Anyways, everything that happened on twenty twenty was about the election. This is all the Democrats and media cared about. They were desperate to get Trump out of office. They used COVID as a pretext to not only take away as much of our freedom as possible, but also institute illegal voting mechanisms to steal the election. That wasn't enough. Trump was still massively popular. So they pulled out their go-to move from their playbook. They wanted to frame Trump and his supporters as white supremacists. And they're still today trying to do that. That's been their game plan. Uh, and they wanted, they want to say that we've caused any Trump supporters, I say we because I am, uh, that we're a cause of all the racism in our country. They needed a race war to blame us, blame on us. They used Antifa to fuel the flames, and the Democrat governors did nothing at all uh, to stop them. Actually, Uh, The vice president, uh, Kamala Harris, uh, she actually uh, bailed a lot of these people out of jail, the ones that actually got arrested. It it, it was crazy. Uh, And, you know, they were calling Trump a tyrant for even thinking about interfering with federal troops or the military. They wanted to cause this chaos uh, to make Trump look bad. Antifa was uh, clearly organized. They would fly all over the country. To different protests they would consistently get bailed out of jail and left off the hook by the leftist uh, attorney generals and judges this was not merely an idea this was terrorism and it still is today what i'm going to focus on now is some of the interesting things uh, that happened behind the scenes and how this all ties in but january 6 and devolution so here's a timeline that i want to put out there because i think this all followed the death of the drug dealer drug head uh george floyd don't get me wrong uh that cop having his leg on george F- floyd was crazy should have never i mean i mean he should not he shouldn't have died right i mean we've seen the video it, just, it was sad, and and I think that it was very preventable. But but, everything since then about this guy and acting like he's a saint is a lie. This guy was a drug head and a drug dealer. He dealt drugs to our kids. He was not a good person. He didn't deserve to die like that. And that cop is, is paying price for it now in, in, in jail. But, I mean, come on, let's not make him out to be something that he's not. So anyways, I think this timeline uh, directly goes along with his death. So on May 25th, you have George Floyd's, he is when he's killed, right? May 31st, urgent email sending, uh, uh, an urgent email was sent uh, granting DEA authority to conduct, convert surveillance and prevent against threats to public safety. Also on May 31st. Uh, Mr. Trump tweeted that the USA would be designating Antiva as a terrorist organization, even though that didn't happen, at least not yet. Uh, June 1st, Trump urges governors to deploy National Guards and threatens he would mobilize every available federal force, both civilian and military, to end the violent protests. June 1st also, Trump makes surprise visit to the St. John's Church. Hours after St. John's picture, FBI spy plane starts uh, surveilling Washington's, D.C.'s protest. Uh, And here is a quote from the newspaper uh, uh, that day. Shortly before 1 p.m. on Monday, June 1st, just hours after federal police use tear gas and batons to clear protesters from the front of the White House for President Trump's uh, bible, uh, Bible-wielding bible photo op. These guys, see, they, they never uh, photo op. A, uh, a census citation jet took off from uh, Madison's regional airport in Virginia Until, okay, until about 1.30 a.m. It flew in a seven-mile circle around central Washington, D.C., surveilling the protest uh, flight tracking records show. The aircraft is a a none-of-a-kind spy plane operated by the FBI uh, fitted with, Sophistic, sophisticated is what they meant. Uh, Cameras for long-range, persistent video surveillance, day or night. Uh, It repeated its late-night circling around the city as protests continued the following two nights and made a short flight on January 6th. Huh. Okay. All right, let's go back to the timeline real quick. Uh, January 3rd and 4th, National Guard uses RC-26 to surveil D.C. protesters. Important note that the president, followed by the DOD, followed by the security of the Army, is in charge of the District of Columbia National's Guards. It's important to keep that in mind. June 4th, uh, Attorney General Barr announces that the DOJ has evidence of Antifa involvement. June 19th, reporting confirms that the DHS used helicopters, airplanes, and drones in more than 15 cities to watch protests over the killing of George Floyd and obtain more than 270 hours of surveillance. Right? This is all public record. Do your own research. June 26th, Trump issues executive order for protecting American monuments, memorials, and statues uh, statues and combating recent criminal violence. Also on the 26th, Barr released implementation memo uh, for the creation of the DOJ task force on the violent anti-government extremists. Right? So, Real quick, and then we need to take a break for the sponsor. Uh, so, based on the timeline above, we know that the surveillance was taking place at these protests. We know there was a task force created to handle extremist groups. We know that Trump wanted Antiva to be classified as a terrorist organization, something that shouldn't be taken very lightly at all. And it's under and it's very important to understand. What that would mean if they were a terrorist organization. Think about it. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor today, uh, Anchor. If you're thinking about starting a podcast or already have a podcast, Anchor, where everything is in place. We will be right back. Thank you, guys, so much. Hey, guys, have you heard about Anchor by Spotify? It's the best and easiest way I've found to start a new podcast. Everything is right there. At Anchor, I can not only record my podcast, I can add music, I can add sounds, and much more. Also, I can trim and crop my podcast as well, all in one place, right there on my iPhone or computer. On Anchor, as a host, you can distribute your podcast on platforms like Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, and many more. Everything is in one place. Oh yeah, I almost forgot. Best part of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app today, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome back to the Red Pill Current News Podcast Special Report Part 4 of Devolution. All right, so now uh, also, all right, so also mentioning that uh, Trump, uh, what they did was they put together this National uh, Counterterrorism Center, right? Uh, And basically is the, uh, let's see here, I've got an article on them, uh, is the primary organization within the U.S. government responsible for analyzing and uh, interrogating all terrorism and counterterrorism information possessed or acquired by the United States government agencies. Under 50 uh, U.S.C. 3056, NCTC, which is the National uh, Counterterrorism Center, uh, has has brought authority and responsibility within the U.S. government for analyzing uh, of terrorism and terrorist organizations except purely domestic terrorism and domestic terrorist organizations from all sources of intelligence, whether collected inside or outside the United States, including providing strategic operational plans for the civilian and military counterterrorism, uh, intelligence and operations. Yeah, so the key part there is that the NCT uh, uh, NCTC doesn't have doesn't have broad authority and responsibility when it comes to purely domestic terrorism and domestic terrorist organization that falls strictly under. The purview of the FBI, who we know is corrupt, but they also get their assistance from the DHS and other agencies. However, once there is a foreign or international aspect uh, of terrorism, the NCTC pulls rank and takes the lead. So many people pose. Um, many many people say that the that the pose. Uh, comment uh C O M I T A T uh US Act, the PCA Act from uh 1878 restricts the use of military in domestic matters. And I will cover I'll go over this here in detail in a little bit. Um uh, but there are expectations to PCA, specifically when it comes to terrorism. Congress uh, they've given a right to the president and the freedom to do whatever he has to do. He he is the excerpt from the anti-terrorism. Uh, Here's an excerpt, sorry, uh, from the Anti-Terrorism and Effective Death Penalty Act of 1996. And that's important. All right, so... Actually, we already went over that. Okay, so uh, so just let's, let's summarize a couple points here to make sure. I know that's quite a bit of information, just to make sure we're on the same page real quick, okay? So in order for the military to get involved in handling any type of terrorism, there needs to be a foreign or international aspect to the groups committing the terrorism. Trump said the U.S. will be designating Antiva as a terrorist organization A.J. Barr said they were also seeing foreign actors multiple agencies including the District of Columbia National Guards were using multiple forms of surveillance to monitor the protest DCNG National Guards involvement equals Department of Defense and the Army so when you add all of this up, it tells us they were treating Antiva as a foreign or international terrorist organization, and were using all of the above resources to track and monitor the members on the ground, including the military, who would be in charge of overseeing an investigation into Antiva as a foreign or international terrorist organization. So the director. Of the National Counter- uh, Counterterrorism Center, uh, let, so so who is that, right? So let's 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 talk about somebody that we talked about a couple days ago, uh, who uh, I think is a true patriot and a great guy. Okay, Donald Trump nominated Christopher Miller on March 18th, 2020, and he was sworn in as Director of the nctc on august 10th so warning uh once again there's going to be a lot of acronyms just just pay close attention okay so prior to this uh nomination he was the deputy assistant secretary of defense for special operations combating terrorism he was in that role from january 6 2020 until august 7th he would directly report to the assistant secretary of defense for special operations and in low intensity intensity conflict. Think back to yesterday's episode. I told you Chris Miller was also performing the duties of the ASD from June 19th, 2020 to August 7th, 2020. So for that period of time, he served as both the ASD and the DA SD. Here's a reminder of what he did in those rows. In the current row, Miller is responsible for overseeing the uh, employment of space uh, operations forces in a counterterrorism military information support operations. Uh, information operations, uh, unconventional warfare, uh, irregular warfare, direct action, special reconts. Uh, force and in, uh, foreign internal defense counter, uh, counter polarization, uh, sensitive uh, special operations, and personal recovery hostage issues, as specified by the state of defense. Uh, Miller was sworn in as the DASD for the SOCT on January 6, 2020. So, so, so you see there. I'm sorry, uh, somebody was calling. Uh, so you see there that uh, he was he was in both positions and had all kinds of uh, he had all kinds of uh, special ops training. I guess is the best way to put that. So I, and I think it's very important to keep that in mind because Christopher Miller, uh, you know, he is a true, uh, true patriot, and he has done a lot uh, for this country. So uh, I wanted to bring that to your attention too because he played some vital roles here. Um, so just, you know, just keep that in mind. Uh, you know, so prior to becoming the director, uh, he was actively overseeing employment of special forces in uh, counterterrorism. So, um, so what I'm going to do now, and this is, and I, and I'm going to do this because I feel it's important. Uh, I wouldn't do it if I didn't. I'm hoping that you can, uh, that you're able to hear this just fine. But I want to play a clip that's pretty important. Uh, that uh, that gives some telltale signs. Uh, from Mr. Uh, Chris Miller, on what he's doing, and uh, at that time. So bear with me. I'm going to play this clip for you real quick. Okay. Uh,
1: you've uh, you're you're now the uh, director of the National Counterterrorism Center. Congratulations. I think so. um And what I'd like to do is start off by uh, going back you've got a really distinguished career, including on the ground. Uh, You were a member of Fifth Group Special Forces. You served in Afghanistan, among other places, Uh, worked in the Pentagon uh, in special operations and counterterrorism. But if you go back particularly to your Special Forces days, what, as you look back on them now from your current position, what did you take or what do you take from uh, your experience there that, been valuable in dealing with terrorism and the way terrorist groups operate as well as countering them so the counterterrorism. Thanks Seth Dr. Jones you'll always be Dr. Jones to me. Uh, just before we get started with that that's a great question but I really wanted to thank you for having me out here. We've worked together a long time and I always hold you up as kind of an archetype for uh, what we want a national security professional not only extremely well-educated, you've also been a practitioner, the way you've kind of gone overseas and we've worked together in the past. And I just kind of, you, you are the, what exactly we need and your experience and your insights are just so valuable to all of us. I also just wanted to recognize your boss, uh, Dr. Hamry, who we well, have had us in a couple times for off the record conversations and he always uh, ends with a kind of a shout out to the civil servants and the nobility of civil service and you know I represent about a thousand civil servants right now in the intelligence community that are a testimonial to what he's talking about. So thanks for doing this, interesting question, I don't like to talk about myself however you ask the question and I guess that's kind of what I'm supposed to do today. Uh, You know I was a special forces officer. I was always what was called an unconventional warfare, that was my specialty versus direct action, which is what we typically think about counterterrorism, where you're kicking down doors, you're taking people out of buildings or killing them. I've done both, but my passion was in unconventional warfare, which is what we call a subset now of irregular warfare, where it's kind of, I mean, it sounds cliche, hearts and minds, but really what we're talking about is competing for the, the population's loyalty. And when I came, when I came back into the business after retiring, I'd had a few years off. and I, Honestly, I kind of, uh, the whole counterterrorism thing didn't really impress me that much. And uh, we had this cliche of, you know, it's mowing the grass. And, and I came back in and I looked at it from a different perspective. And I realized how successful we've been as a country and as an enterprise since 2001. We created this enormously proficient Strategic strategy and capabilities, and I had to look at it a little differently because I'd always kind of look down my nose. Counterterrorism forces, like you know, how hard is it? You, you go in a door, you go left or you go right or you cut down the middle. I mean, it's kind of like not that. It, for me at the time, it was it was not that horribly uh, complicated. Uh, I realize now that we've been enormously successful. The the experiences I had think I'm the first person, someone asked this the other day, I think I'm the first person of the generation that actually was there in Afghanistan in 2001, and now as, as a field commander, as a company commander, I was in the field, I was in the street, and now to progress through to a basically strategy policy position, uh, I think I'm the first one, and not that I did anything special, but it's really highlighted, I think those experiences you have in the field where you understand the human dimension of what we're trying to do, really helps a great deal. As
0: right. So so here's some t- key takeaways from that, right? So our NCTC uh, remit, FBI has domestic. We support when requested. What we focus on is the links. We do see some connectivity. What we haven't seen yet is organized foreign terrorist organizations supporting or directing domestic groups when the Intel backs it up they will get designated the worst thing these groups can do is have an office on Rhode Island Avenue a post office box and a financial bank account they have modified their organizational structure and how they do things but that's the key thing We keep our eyes on. See what I mean? Uh, So now I think we're ready to go over the main point of all this, right? So January 6, 2021. Quote. Quote, quote, quote. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Those are the words... The mainstream media actively buries from the public, but if you listen to Trump's speech, those are the words that he spoke. I believe his supporters listened. The Capitol riots was one of the biggest chess moves used by Trump's enemies. Remember, they have successfully stolen the election, and they were able to deflect, gaslight, and spin the narrative all the way to january 6th all they needed to do was have it cemented by the electoral college votes the only issue was there are legal ways to challenge the vote republicans were saying ahead of time they would do so luckily for biden and his buddies the Capitol was breached and trump and his supporters were trying to overthrow the government please so when the dust settled, nobody talked about the challenges uh, about challenging the vote anymore. They swiftly proceeded to vote for Biden, and here we are. Now think about just a couple things here that have happened that resulted that day. So the electoral college vote went through without challenge after after the Capitol riot. Social media and big tech tech used. As a as a pretext to censor Trump and his supporters, they used it to justify a second impeachment, even though it failed again. And it was after he left office. Uh, They used it to go after and imprison Trump supporters just for being in the Capitol. The large majority of which didn't do anything wrong as far as damage or anything of that nature. Uh, They used it to target Trump supporters who weren't at the Capitol. They used it to start this bogus January 6th committee. They continued to use the narrative of the insurrection, attempting to go and validate the audits. How January 6th played out was far more beneficial to Trump's enemies than it was for Trump. It was so obvious that something like this would happen. Antifa is known for infiltrating uh, these types of events, yet Trump gave them a massive opportunity to do so. What in the world was he thinking? Once again, remember who we're talking about. President Trump always thinking 10 steps ahead. I believe Trump set them up. So let's look at the timeline of events. Trump was scheduled to speak At 11 a.m. Eastern Time, they plastered his starting time of 11 a.m. everywhere. I remember watching the speech and waiting for him to start. It seemed like an eternity because I was excited. I really thought, well, you guys already know this. I thought that they they were going to overturn the election. Uh, And I thought the speech he was going to give, uh, you know, he was going to give the reveal that this is the way to go. And how he wouldn't let the election be stolen. Uh, he instead was a whole hour late and started around noon. It wasn't the reveal that I was hoping for, of course. The speech lasted an hour and 12 minutes, ending at one twelve p.m. Eastern Time. Lawmakers gathered for their joint session at the Capitol starting at 1 p.m. The speech was located at the Ellipse, more than a mile and a half from the Capitol. The Capitol barricades were breached at one o five p.m. You guys remember me saying uh, over and over again that they, the the ones listening to the speech didn't have time to get there before it started? So think about it. It just doesn't add up. I think Trump was late to speak on purpose because he had intel of what Antifa was planning. The best proof I can provide you on this comes in a form that was a memo that had gone out Uh, almost completely uh, unnoticed and untalked about. It's almost as if Trump was telling us us exactly what Antifa was about to do. Quote, Antifa has a long-used, otherwise permissible demonstrations to engage in lawlessness, criminal behavior, to further its radical agenda. These violent acts undermine the rights of peaceful protesters. End quote. So this memo which came out the day before the Capitol riot uh instructed that quote the security of state shall in uh constellation with the Attorney General and the security of homeland security review information received from the Department of Justice and other authorities to access whether to classify Antiva as a terrorist organization under Section 1182 of Title 8, United States Code. The timing of this is not just a coincidence, guys. Why was this uh, memo issued on January 5th? What changed? As Patrick Gunnell said, and Gunnell, uh, he's on Telegram, thank you, Patrick, uh, Trump wanted... Uh, this to be the biggest rally of all time he wanted to make sure antiva would infiltrate it he knew they would try a false flag event and he goaded them into it our military had been monitoring and surveilling antiva since the summer riots the events from january 6 a lot were allowed to happen chris miller even said in an interview that the full story quote the full story has not been told, end quote. Wake up, folks. Wake up. It's also more than a coincidence that the Secretary of Defense, Miller, is so heavily involved here. All summer, he was in charge of special operation units specifically relating to special operations, counterterrorism, and low-intensity conflict. The exact units from our special forces who would be involved figuring out Antiva's network. Now, yesterday, I showed that he was the man under which devolution was possible. Remember that that I've been saying we're at war, and Trump even said we're at war. The military has to be involved somehow, and on January sixth, Trump delegated to the man in charge of our military the authority. To decide when to call in the DC National Guard. It's all connected. So who planned Antiva's involvement on January sixth? Who's the Democratic Democrat Party knew what was going to happen? Who paid for it? Why haven't they released all the videos from that day? Are there any ties between Antiva and those responsible for stealing our election? It's not a stretch to say that those who stole the election also planned this insurrection at the last move to make sure Trump couldn't interfere with Biden ascending into his fake presidency when a full, when the full story does come out. And I think that my theory is true on this. The consequences will be profound. So if uh, Antifa had been uh, surveyed, uh, since the summer their network would be mostly mapped out this would include anybody in our government and anybody overseas who may be involved uh any problems they caused after trump's reveal will be dealt with swiftly and trump has full authority to deal with them as he needs to And Tifa won't get as long of a leash as they did in 2020 that's my that's my opinion So just think about it in terms of playing chess, okay? There are moves and counter moves in the game of chess. A sacrifice is giving up one of your chess pieces with the objective of gaining a tactical or positional advantage. This is what January 6th was to Trump. He wanted the electrical college vote to go through because, and this is just my theory, he suspended the vote, So the actual counting of the votes didn't matter anyways. Things needed to move forward so we could get to where we are actually today, where we are right now. The Democrats obviously thought that the challenges to the electrical votes would be a problem. So they made their move to stop it. Trump saw this coming and as usual was prepared. Instead of making a defensive move, he let them go too far once again like he is right now showing everybody what they want if you haven't paid attention folks uh, with everything going on in america in our country they have accelerated their plan they've got the foot on the gas on this green energy crap and everything and it's all to break us and cause the great reset don't ever doubt it but you see things like this make them so vulnerable because the people were seeing it the actions that took place on January 6 was a trap everything is falling into place for Trump even though it looked like they captured Trump's queen he now has all he needs for and checkmate they call it the uh check or in chess they call it checkmate so did you know that on January 5th 2021 Donald Trump signed an executive order which i believe further proves devolution is real january 6th was such a uh, a crap show that this executive order largely went unnoticed in the background of the insurrection i didn't know about it myself to be honest with you until uh i started digging in a little bit more so before i go over that order let me um let's talk about and i know this this episode is starting to become lengthy But uh, let me talk a little bit about the background to it, okay, real quick, Uh, just so we don't lose anybody. Uh, On May 11, 2017, Trump issued an executive order, uh, 13799, uh, the establishment of presidential advisory commissions on election integrity. That was on 2017. Uh, Vice President Mike Pence was the chair of the commission's and they were to study the registration and voting processes used in federal elections. It was solely an advisory commission and was to submit a report to the president. The commission, right, the commission was met with major backlash. I wonder why. After requesting uh, donor data and information from the individual states, at least eight lawsuits were filed challenging the commission, alleging that its activities violated the law. On January 3rd, 2018, without any report having been released, Trump automatically disbanded the commission, blaming mostly Democratic states. On September 12th, 2018, Trump issued an executive order imposing certain sanctions in the event of foreign interference in a United States election so just to give you like a brief uh, description of that executive order uh, executive departments and agencies shall conduct an ass- an assessment of any information indicating that a foreign government or any persons acting as an agent of or on behalf of the foreign government has acted with the intent or purpose of interfering in the election and the secretary of defense is a part of the national intelligence agency Uh uh-huh so so that's important uh let's see if i have any more quotes from that Uh, so, let's see, remedy actions uh, to be taken by the United States government other than the uh, sanctions described in Section 2 and 3 of this order. No later than 45 days after the conclusion of the United States election, the DNI, along uh, with others, is to conduct an assessment of any information showing foreign interference in our elections. One of the members uh, is receiving this assessment and the, is the Secretary of Defense, Mr. Miller. Within 45 days of receiving that assessment, the Attorney General and the Secretary of the Homeland Security are to make a report evaluating how bad the foreign interference affected the security and, and uh, the integrity of, of our election infrastructure counting of votes transmission of results and if the foreign interference targeted election infrastructure relating to specific campaigns or candidates and how it could have affected the campaign's information or data so one of the members receiving this again I just want to remind you is the Secretary of Defense the report is to include recommendations if appropriate regarding Remedial actions to be taken by the U.S. government, other than the sanctions. So, I mean, take a minute. I know that's a lot of information. Try to digest that, because it's important. So, think about it this way. So, if the appropriate, so if appropriate, the report could include recommended actions to correct or counteract said foreign uh, interference. So we're right back to the executive order, which said nothing in this uh, nothing in this order shall prevent the head of any agency or any other appropriate official from tendering to the president or submitted to the president in any independent report. This means that at any time, the head of any agency or any other appropriate Official. Now, this is important, so make sure I want to slow down for a second. So, what this means is that any time the head of any agency or appropriate official may tender to the president any analysis, information, assessment, or evaluation of foreign interference in a U.S. election. This also means that if a, an appropriate official has any information that indicates foreign interference in a U.S. election, they can submit the information uh, to the president in an independent report. This is huge. So hypothetically, if our military were to come across any information showing foreign interference in a U.S. election, they could report it directly to the president himself. In an independent report and do so at any time this could be completely uh, bias the heads of every other agency uh, their chief in command uh, and they don't have to stick to the 45-day timeline as before so it it could also be a classified uh, the whole thing could be considered classified to the president or part of it could be classified So I believe this part of the executive order uh, is Trump's attempt to weed out all the bad actors in our government agencies. He's allowing them to establish the framework used to carry out this order. And he specifically mentions that this framework, quote, ensures the efforts to protect electoral process and institutions are insulated from political bias and respect the principles of free speech and open debates so what's that mean kentucky guy right does, does that sound foreign to you basically the assessment required by the executive order was presented to the president senior officials and both the congressional leadership and intelligence oversight committees on january 7th 2021 lots of things seem to happen around january that january 6th date by the way this assessment wasn't declassified and released to the public until march of 15th 2021 all right so i think that's where we're going to end today's show Uh, i know folks that's a lot of information uh like i said at the beginning of the show uh feel free to you know pause it pause pause this episode uh go back and re-listen Whatever you need to do, uh, I just don't want anybody to walk away too confused. Remember, if you have any questions, you can always email me at olkentucky99ayahoo.com. That's O-L, the word Kentucky, 99ayahoo.com. Once again, you've been listening to the Red Pill Current News Podcast. I'm your host, The Kentucky Guy. Hey, have a wonderful rest of your week, and we'll talk soon. Thank you guys so much.